Welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. All right, welcome to another edition of a Diary of a Sales Expert podcast, and I'm really great. I'm pleased to have uh, a great guy with me uh, today who is a guy I know well. Is a guy who's achieved a lot in his life, and we're going to talk a lot about it. But uh, over what he's done, but uh, great pleasure to have Matt Garmer with me this morning. So, m- morning, Matt. How are you? Morning. I'm I'm well. Thank you very much. Look, so so look, we're going to start by talking about a bit about your career because look, but for those that don't know you, I mean, I'm going to give a brief outline that you've had a sales career, you've had a business career, you've had a career achieving incredible challenges, doing some incredible things, which culminated in you know rowing the Atlantic. Uh, Two years ago, is it a year and a half ago? Now I can't remember what it was. Uh, we 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 were still rowing this time last year. It was still rowing. That's right. There you go. Shoes out. Tied last time move. So so you you've just finished rowing the Atlantic last February. That's right. So we'll talk a little bit about a number of things over the course of today, and 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 believe this been some inspiration for people to to achieve what they want to. But just for those that don't know you, talk talk about your background. How and because you've been in sales as well all your life, like me. So. Talk to me about you know how you got started into sort of sales in in, in in your first few jobs. I know you've shared it with me around where you've been on the boat with your uncle and your, your you know the fire family. Talk to people that don't know you a bit about your background, and how you got you know started in business. I think the uh, well, the short long story is that um, I don't think I really sort of fitted in a school. I didn't really apply myself. Uh, I had two interests at school. One was playing rugby. The other one was going fishing with my friends. And uh, much to the family's disgust, uh, a week after I left school at 16, um, I got myself a job as a tea boy on a trawler, um, which also resulted in me being a little bit black sheep. So I actually ended up leaving home at 16 as well. Uh, that's a different story. We're not going to go there today. Um, so yeah, I, I worked on a worked on a commercial fishing boat for five years. Um, two things happened. I bought my first flat when I was 19 that I couldn't afford. And then the second thing was one of the guys on on one of the boats that we tied up next to um, actually was killed on deck. And it kind of coincided with the time I was about uh, 19, 20, and I thought, whoa, uh, okay, maybe there's other things to do. So um, no qualifications. So the only, the only job I could get was a commission-only job selling life insurance. Um, but, and one of the things, but one of the things I talk about quite, quite openly now is that and we 12 weeks worth of training, which is just incredible these days because I think there's people, if I speak at an event, there's, there's people there that um, haven't had 12 weeks of training in their careers. So anyway, so um, did life insurance for a while, um, loved the selling, loved the people bit, didn't like life insurance, um, got a job. I left and, and, and worked for a small IT business in Eastbourne as a commission sales guy. Commission, I've only did commission only. I've, had, I've never had a proper job, to be honest with you, so... <laughs> Uh, we'll get to that. We'll come to the bits around uh, the commission in a moment. But um, just quickly before we go back to your, your trawler life, because trawlers don't go out nine till five, do they? So, so what time did you have to get up in the morning to get out on the trailer trailer boat? Well, we were mostly a day boat, so we would be sort of three or four in the morning till sort of seven, eight at night. It was hard work, really, really hard work. And then sometimes we do day, night, and the day, but mostly day working stuff. So it's, I mean, it was it was. Um, it's not like sitting down on my desk and my chair like this. It was proper grown-up hard work. What values did that instill in you at that age? Well, I mean, I'd always, we've, I've always been a worker. I've always been, you know, I think my my family as well. My family before my family sort of thing. We've always been hard workers. 
my dad was always a hard worker, my mum was always a hard worker. So, but I think the the actual grind of doing it was like just get your head down, get the job done, do it as well as you can do. And um, and that's one of the things that I suppose my folks have always said. Well, if you're going to do a job, do it properly. Just do it properly. But no, they was um, there was some ridiculous, ridiculous hours. And it was a boy. Basically, it was a boy growing up in a man's job. Yeah, and I guess you guess when you came off a trawler boat, you know, going out, it, it didn't exactly smell great. If you <laughs> it smelled the fish, basically. Well, yeah, but that's a misconception. It don't really, you know, it's only smell when it's a bit off, isn't it? It's but um, no. So I. You know, it was, uh, but then, um, yeah, it's hard. But I've still got a lot of friends actually in that space, and I still see them regularly. Um, but no, it, it was, it, 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 it certainly, and, and obviously things have changed and, and restrictions and various things. So it's, it's definitely not something, but it was a good grounding and it's hard work and, um, and, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Um, but yeah, and then, 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 and it sets you up well, doesn't it? It sets you up well for sort of life in many respects, which we'll come on and talk about and some of the other things in a moment. I think I think so. It's it's um, the other thing was you know the other thing was it was seven days a week. So then you when you go wow. yeah oh yeah so when you when you go into um, when you go into to to an office environment you might have worked five days a week. Easy isn't it? You know I don't get more money or or whatever. But um, yeah no so then I I joined this small IT business in in Eastbourne. Um, Probably quite did quite you know struggled to start. I build building a pipeline, just get hard yards, hard yards, build a pipeline from scratch. It's always hard, and I say that to people if I speak to them now. And um, then about you know it probably took about five to six months to build a proper pipeline, and then it was all it was all started to move. Um, had a difference of opinion with the boss after about three or four years, which actually resulted in me gambling my house or putting my house on the line and buying the major share of the company. Um, again, got super, super focused, realized what I needed to focus on, what I didn't, um, and kind of split that business at the end of, to end of 1999. That's how old I am. Um, merged the, a bit of a business with a company in Godalming and we, we grew that company from about 14 people to about 42 people, I think. And then we sold that to a PE back firm in uh, 2012. And so I've been coaching and mentoring and, you know. And- I want to talk a bit more about the, about the rise of the company because I know that's what you did and, and what you know, it's incredible, your achievements there. But I want to just go back to the commission only salesperson. What does it feel like, in a way, to be that commission only salesperson and be in a position where, you, you know, if you don't basically work, you don't earn? Uh, it's it's um, it's quite straightforward. It's yeah. <laughs> I think you'd say I need I don't I need this interview to be directly to the point. It's just good. I think it's I think it, I mean obviously there's you know there's less you know um, yeah I, 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 it, the thing was um, if you actually if you actually break it down when when we worked on a on a on a commercial fishing boat you don't catch any fish you don't get any money so yeah. it's actually not it's not too dissimilar you know if we don't don't do something we don't progress and we don't something doesn't happen we don't earn any money. Um, the other thing is as well is is um, I think I've always been quite bullish and I've always been quite confident in my own ability. And the one thing that um, the one thing that that um, we were able to do is you know if you are successful in a commission or any role, you generally earn quite a lot of money uh, because you've got no salary, there's no overhead, so there's actually limited commitment from you know at the time from the um, from the employer stroke post. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, well, I'll just work harder than everyone else. 
And it's what's what's really quite interesting. I, it's it's um, and if I speak at, um, if I speak about the row and the adventure stuff at um, at schools, I I use this word extraordinary, and I never really knew what it meant um, until somebody pointed out, Matt, that's two words. It's like extra and ordinary. And, and actually, I kind of worked that one out. You know, it's like, it sounds really, really dumb, but, you know, about 19, 20 years old, I kind of knew what it meant. Of course I did. But when actually somebody turned around and said, well, all you need to do is just do extra because you're going to do extra because the ordinary people won't do extra. So if you do, if, if you could just do that, then you're already you're already ahead and, and, and above and beyond other people. Well, brilliant way to look at it, actually, and to, to, to think of it is that, yeah. Like you say, just being better, slightly different to, to other people. Just a quick question. More, so, right, just do more. Whatever it is, just do a bit more. Just do a bit more. Uh, and and this, we'll talk a lot, and we'll talk a lot about the row in, in a moment. But but one thing, you know, that you talk about training, They you know, you, you have this 12-week training to to get started. But but what part of that was sales-related training? And how did you learn to sell? Because you've been on a fishing boat, and, you you know, I guess you're, you do need to sell, I guess, sometimes to, to, to get your own, you know, to get things done. But. Yeah, the actual element of selling and what you had to do to learn to sell and to sort of build and become successful in sales. How did that? How did you know those skills develop in you? Um, I've always been very, very curious, very curious. Uh, my dad, my my dad, bless him, uh, has passed away now. But my dad, my dad used to read a newspaper at breakfast table, and he'd have it open like that, and I'd read on the back, and it would say the um, I don't know the the chief executive of of Sainsbury's is now the chief executive of ICI, and I go, well, that's it's, that's groceries, and now that's chemicals or something. What was? And I said, what's he know about that, Dad? He goes, son, doesn't need to. And it's like, ah. I just have been curious about those sorts of things, and I think one of the things is is I just I'm just been curious about how how. Um, it's like when somebody says don't need it's about the concept, the process, and all those sorts of things. And and what really what really intrigued me about the selling was that I always thought, and dare I say it, probably an awful lot of your listeners um, think it's all about the gift of the gap. And it's just we can't be so some we can't almost sometimes can't be further from the truth. It's about actually just just listen. What's this person trying to do? What are they trying to achieve? Um, and of course, there's a you know there's a system and a process and things like that. But I think as much as anything else, it's just be curious and actually ask ask really good quality questions. Uh, and, and and in terms from a, from a listener's perspective, how what why? You know, if you start thinking about starting your sentences with how what and why, you're going to be so much better than the person that just asks standard hygiene questions. I love that, and it just, yeah, just. Talks a lot about what you know. We, we're both aligned on a sales perspective, as we'll talk about at the end. There's a, if you're watching this now, there's a little thing me and Matt are doing at the end, which we'll, we'll share with you. But, um, but I think it's, it's it's such a great point around being able to be curious and just be intrigued by other people and what's you know. I was talking about getting inside the mind of someone else and how you know you can get inside that person's mind. What they're thinking right now, what are they doing, and and that 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 ability to just think and be a bit like, oh, what's going on there? But unfortunately, you know, it's it's why you've obviously you've built you know. Or career in mentoring. It's why we have to do what we do because not a lot of people do that seemingly in some cases or, or people, they, they're learning to maybe doing it, but it's not common for most people. They do. They think sales is about talking and, and, and presenting and pitching, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, and I think what we've done is we've drilled in the, um, 
we drilled in the whole, um, you know, process, process, process. But you've got to have the skills around that as well, as much as as much as anything else. I think one of the other things I I did as well was a bit of a light that came on later on, and that is is, and I, I don't mind sharing this. So I come from a very very academic family. So my dad was a consulting engineer. My mum was a, a high level music teacher. My brother, my older brother, is a doctor of mathematics. And my younger brother is a doctor of horticulture. Now I have I have no qualifications at all. So I was kind of you know that was you know my brothers actually came up with a few creative ones for me when we we're sitting at the dinner table. Letters after letters on But um, but the reality of it is, so I actually in an embarrassing way, I kind of walk around my late teens, early twenties, actually thinking I was stupid. Um, and you know it's quite. Uh, obviously, imagine quite demotivating. Um, until so, until somebody points out that there's multiple levels of intelligence, and it's like I didn't realise there was. I thought it was just reading books and passing exams. Um, and in actual fact, what well, it turns out, I'm not. I'm not stupid. I'm actually pretty pretty smart because those other things and those over what we call soft skills, which I think are probably more important than anything else, um, I actually scored really really highly on. Um, and it's that kind of, um, we call it emotional intelligence or whatever you want to call it these days. Um, but it's those sorts of things and being able to feel and sense. Um, and again, ask, ask back that up with being curious and asking high quality questions that can get in, as you say, get in the mind of the buyer. Yeah. And, and so, right, and we're on the same page of that and we'll, we'll maybe catch up on some of those elements at the end. But when you, you were talking about, you know, you, you made that gamble to to sell your house and invest in, in the business and build and merge it with the two companies and then build this company, which you then ultimately sold. And, you know, I know that was something that was a great moment in your life when you when you sold that. But talk to us about that process of building a company and then and achieving, you know, that growth. Because to go from you know, 10 to 40 people is tough. It's more people. It's a, it's a responsibility. Talk to people about our journey and what the key sort of two or three things you learned from that. Oh, cool. I think, um, well, the first, I didn't sell the, I didn't sell the house. I just remortgaged it. Um, still, yeah, but if still anyone, if anyone, sorry, if anyone's listening, if anyone's listening, it was pre-money laundering and I, I told one or two porkies on the application force, but that's another story. But we, um, what's, what I think, um, I'd like. I, I don't know the. I don't know the. I don't know the answers. If I'm mentoring, I've turned that around. If I'm mentoring a business, or I'm working with a company, um, I'm quite honest and quite. I'm. I'm. I'm quite vulnerable. I, I'm quite. I. I'm quite prepared to be vulnerable. If I don't know the answer, it's like I don't know the answer. I will find out. I will speak to people who have been there before, and I think that's one. One thing uh, I've always been open and honest. I think I. I've. Um, I make some, I've made, I'd like to think I've made slightly more good decisions than bad. I've made a hell of, I've made some howlers, absolute howlers. Um, and some of those you'll actually be rolling around laughing at, but I mean, I've. Yeah, give us a couple, give us a couple of howlers. Come on. Just because, because people are listening to this and they're, they're probably running businesses and growing businesses and achieving things. And they'll think, well, gone, well, but, is- but you've been and done it and you've sold a company, but yeah. And that all seems to me how one of the worst. One of the worst ones I did is we were taking a, taking a person on to be a pre-sales pre-sales consultant, cracking interview, uh, really really good, nice guy, um, made them a job offer, um, and um, he was all he accepted the job offer, 
Um, it, it came with a company car, so we sent him a we sent him a, a, a list of vehicles, or we were our price range that was in our our kind of that's what we did. And he chose a car, which was which was great. We got the car in order, uh, and then a couple of weeks before his start date, we needed to tidy up on all the paperwork. So we needed you needed your driving license details and all that, and then we found out he's only got a provisional license. Slight issue. I don't know. It's just you know, let's assume you know, and I'm, again, one of those sorts of things. A sales lesson, assume makes an ass out of you and me. So, you know, ask the sensible questions. And I, that's the other thing I say to, so, so one of the things I learned as well is um, in my early career, I would sit in a meeting and, and particularly we were in tech, right? So it would be, you know, the conversation would be about kilobytes, kilobits, wiggly bits and giggly bits and all these sorts of things. And I'd sit there, sometimes I'd be, um, embarrassed to actually just, you know, can I just, you know, uh, I just, I'd, I'd, yeah, well, I kind of know what you're talking about and all this sort of stuff. And I made the notes and then I'd find out afterwards, which is just, and, 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 and one of the things I'm, one of the things I think happens, particularly in tech, is that assumptions are made in those sorts of conversations. Yeah. And one of the things I would urge, I would encourage anybody, whether it's in sales or not in sales, is actually be honest with yourself and actually be bold enough during meetings or at the end of meetings when you summarize the meeting. Okay. So can I just clarify what I'm what I this is my expectation at the end of the meeting? Can I just clarify what you think what you said was that? Can I just confirm my understanding of it? And I, I think again that's a, a a little nugget that I try and share with people if I'm coaching. Don't leave anything to misinterpretation. Just make sure it's clear at the end of whatever whatever you're summarising. And we'll talk about misinterpretation in a minute when you go on about rowing a, a, rowing a uh, boat across the Atlantic because you can't have any misinterpretation in those situations, can you? But just going up to the final point around, you know, we're going to talk about lots of things today, but the, the element when you when you did sell the company, you know, I have done a, a previous interview before about this, but for those that haven't listened to that, you know, that moment when you obviously go through that process of, you know, someone else is wanting to buy your business, and you go, uh, you know, you you go through that process of sale. How did it feel? Can you remember the moment when you actually the deal was done and you were it was all signed and 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 monies were transferred and all that sort of stuff? Can you remember that feeling and how it felt and what did you know what did you do then at that point? And um, again, I don't mind being vulnerable. So, so the run up um, to exiting and selling a company is very very stressful. There's a huge amount of due diligence going on. You're trying to you're trying to spin multiple plates. You're trying not to give away too much to staff. Um, you're trying not to give away too much to customers and all these sorts of things. But there's lots of you. It's a very very stressful period of time. Um, get good advisors. I'd say get if anyone's around, get good advisors. But yeah, that that re- period of time, um, we then agreed a uh, a closure meeting, which was in um, a. Um, Solicitors, a lawyer's office in the city of London. So it's all brushed aluminium and glass and all this sort of stuff. And there's just rows and rows of paper with all sorts of coloured post-it notes that need signing and all these sorts of things. Um, and and I think one of the one of the memories I have was actually sitting in that boardroom before we did it, thinking that because I all you know we all suffer at times from imposter syndrome. Yeah, I used to work on a fishing boat, and now I used to. I used to work on a fishing boat, and now somebody's giving us quite a lot of money for something that we've built. Surely we're going to get found out in a minute, aren't we? Anyway, we did. Obviously, we 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 um, 
we, you know, we completed the deal. Um, actually, it was a bit of a daze. Uh, went home and and I and I think because it was all late, rush, rush, rush. I got home at about it was sort of eleven o'clock, midnight or something like that. My wife was st- my wife was already in bed, and she said, um, "Is it all done?" And I said, "Yeah." And I just laid there on bed, just with wide eyes and stuff like that. Anyway, I set my alarm. I set my alarm for about half past two, three o'clock in the morning. I hadn't been asleep for very long, and my office was up in the loft at the time, and I so I set my alarm for. Sorry, got in the morning, and and I they woke up and she said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm going to log on to the internet banking. Sit, my money's there." So, so, so I went up. So I went upstairs into the office and I logged on to the internet banking. And the deal, you know, there's various deals and stuff like that, but the vast majority of our money was on that day of completion. And yeah, I've got a big amount of money in my bank account. And I just came down and I hadn't slept much beforehand. And I slept even less afterwards. I just laid there in bed and I was, and my wife said to me, she just rolled over and she said, is it there? And I said, yeah. And she just went and rolled back to bed, went back to sleep, went to sleep. <laughs> so anyway, and that, but that was, that, and then there was just the days. And the other, the other thing was um, that what was a really, really, um, I'm now a spare part. So I built this thing with my other teammates who are great. Um, and um, and somebody's given us a, a, a decent amount of money for it. Um, so the, I remember it being a bit of a daze because the first the first week I was just wandering around, you know, not really doing anything because I wasn't. I was part of the deal was that two of the two of the three of us main shareholders stayed on, and I I didn't want to work for a bigger company, so I honest, I'm out. I'm completely out. So I'm wandering around. I'm feeling a little bit lost. Um, but I've got to admit, um, after about a month, I was probably the most lost I've been um, professionally um, because, yeah, I've, I just didn't know what to do, what to do What's next. that sense of purpose? I remember interviewing Mike Clare from Dreams when he said when he sold his business that he, you know, he tried, he, he sold it, you know, and uh, it's a really interesting story actually that um, he, which you like, he said he sold it on the Friday. So to you, he woke up on Monday, checked everything was there, and he'd sold his, and he was open. He sold his for two hundred million quid, right? So he so says, you know, on the Friday, yeah, they did all the deal. Woke up on the Monday, and uh, he said he, he he wasn't allowed to tell the staff, his team, basically, what had happened. The same as you probably when you were going through that due process. And I think he's a member of said to me, he said, "Oh, they didn't pay me for the Monday." <laughs> but they didn't pay me for the Monday, which is where we laugh or not. You know, you just had two hundred million quid, and they you still had money for the Monday. But then he said that um, then he said he cried for a week. So he cried for a week because his, his company and he lost his sense of purpose and that element. And it just shows you how important purpose is to us, doesn't it, as, as people? Totally, totally. And, I, and obviously, I, one of the other things, you know, you know me, I've going back to that, going back to that thing when I was in my teens and twenties and feeling, you know, incorrectly feeling that I was a bit stupid. I felt that I needed to, I always felt. I needed to show myself and prove myself, and that's why I kind of ended up, you know, purpose it, it, um, immersing myself in some of the other sporty challenges that I that I kind of went into as well. And, I, and to be honest with you, it sounds it sounds horrible. I mean, my, I say my dad's no longer with me, but it was almost like because I I felt like I needed to compensate for my dare I say lack of performance in that kind of academic space that I needed to almost prove to myself. Prove to other people that I wasn't an idiot, and that I there was something about Mad Armand that that 
but uh, and and that sounds really really bad, but it almost fired me up even more. You know, it's like, well, I'll bloody prove you. I'll, I can show you. I can do this stuff. I can show you. But it, you know, it's quite difficult when you when you're growing up in an environment where you, it's like, I don't actually, um, I feel like the old one out. But it's interesting to talk about that because I actually think motivation is really critical. Both of us are motivated people. We're driven. We're, we know, we're, 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 you know, I know from, but having that motivation and drive is a critical factor, isn't it? Right. Wherever it's been motivating to someone that's told you you couldn't do it or to, to try and make yourself feel, you know, similar to other people or to, or, or just because you made a mistake in the past, having that motivation and drive to want, you know, we all call it our duvet chat. I mean, you both get up in the morning because we're excited about the day. We want to get on with things, but you've got to have it, right? If you haven't, you've got to find it. I think so. And one of the other things I've learned as well is, is that I'm, um, whilst I'm very, very driven, um, I'm a team guy. And that's really quite interesting because I played rugby until I was 40. Um, and you know, I was a skipper of a number of teams that I was involved in. So I've always been a bit of a leader, um, but I'm not I'm not one of these people that's a complete um go off and do things completely on their own. I like, you know, what's, what's the quote? The quote is, if you want to go fast, go on your own. If you want to go far, go with others. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the things I've realised, and particularly more as in, in 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 career and stuff like that, is I'm I'm very very driven, and I'm uh, I'm quite good at, at kind of pulling things together and and that. Uh, um, but I I I feed on other people as much as and as I'd like. You know, I, I'd like to think that I'd give as as I'd give probably more than I take, if that makes sense, into those contributions and those environments. Yeah, you do. You know, for sure you do. I know that, and that's the key part of it. So we're going to move on to the to the row in a minute. Before we just one final question around, yeah, we we once you sort of sold the business and you started, then yeah, you're being in a position right. What do I go and do? You started looking into sort of mentoring and where I know you know I knew you from when you were doing sales plus profit as well, and you were so so you obviously just decided right. You know, I'm going to go again. Basically, what what can you can you remember that journey from sort of like you having that month of feeling lost to then thinking right? No, no, I know I'm going to go again, and I'm going to. This is now what I'm going to go and do and focus on. Um, I think I didn't know really, to be honest with you. Um, I was still floundering a little bit. I mean, the one great thing, so we sold a business in the April of 2012, okay? Well, most of, most of your listeners who are old enough to realise is that we had we hosted the Olympics in 2012. So my only, my only, um, yes. You know, one of my one of my treats was that while everyone was working their backsides off, I was on the return tickets website every every week for the return tickets to the Olympics. So I did treat myself to a few a few few events at the Olympics and stuff like that. But then I was still thinking, you know, what next? What next? What next? Um, and in actual fact, and I don't believe um, he realizes quite how much how important I was. I was lost, and one of my ex software clients rang me up and said, "Matt, what are you doing?" And I said, oh, I don't know. But I did it in such a way that it made it sound like I was looking or exploring all sorts of options and stuff like that. But I've got to be honest, I was pretty lost. And I said, oh, I'm thinking about this and thinking about that. And he, he actually said to me, he said, well, while you're thinking about it, can you get down here and beat up my sales team? And, and those were the words that he used. Um, and I said, well, what do you mean by beat up? And he said, well, we never hit the targets. We never, we never close the deals that we're, we're due to close. Um, nobody's, we've got a revolving door of salespeople. We don't have any process, any structure. 
And uh, and I kind of said, well, I can do that stuff. That's that's I'm okay with doing that sort of stuff. And that that was the that was the evolution of 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 me moving into more sales coaching and sales mentoring and stuff like that. Which is what you love and, and you spend time there. But I'm going to I'm going to move on to to the the road because it, again, yeah, we're going to probably one of the things that you know want to. Yeah, you've done a lot of incredible things in your life, but I'm guessing it's pretty much up there as you know. I know your son and your daughter will be the most, and your wife will be the top three on your list and incredible things. But you know, rowing the Atlantic has got to be up there as being one of the most incredible things you you do because you've done sorry. And and for those that don't know the details, it's a bare fact, and I'll you know I'll, I'll let you share the details around. But it's it's you were you, you told me you were on the boat for seven weeks, six weeks, or you you, you started. There are some incredible. Tell people about that. Tell people about the actual the, the race itself, and then we'll talk about the preparation and the mental elements to make it happen. So, just to, just before that, so I, I I went from rugby, which was a team sport, um, and then a mate of mine got me. He said, "I'll oh, come and do a triathlon," and it's like I said, "I can't swim. Um, I haven't ridden a bike since my baby round, and um, and I'm a lumpy runner." He said to me, he said, yeah, but he said, you're a real stubborn bastard when you get it going. Anyway, cut a long story short. So I went from some, some, I then, from, from rugby, I then went into some individual stuff and triathlons, Ironmans and all these sorts of things. And then I realized that in actual fact, I'm better in a small team. So I've done some other team challenges as well. We did a, a, like a swim in the channel. Yeah. Swim in the channel. Yeah. And then, and then, and then I was looking out, I was looking and I'd always been curious about the row of the Atlantic and I probably because I'd spent time at sea and all these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, um, I was looking at it, looking at it and I was chatting to a couple of people and, and a good friend of mine, Neil, who I'd known from rugby, um, we were at a lunch and, and, um, uh, Neil's wife said, oh, that time you did another one of your silly challenges, Matt, isn't it? And, and to which my wife, Sam, then piped up, she said, um, You'll never guess what he wants to do now. He wants to row across the Atlantic Ocean. And she kind of, Madeline's lovely, and she kind of turned around and said, oh, I think you'd like to do that, Neil, wouldn't you? Not thinking for one moment that he'd lock in on it. <clears throat> anyway, following the morning, I mean, so, you know, that was a rugby club lunch. We'd had a few drinks and everything else. But the following morning, I got about three or four texts from Neil. If you're going to do that, I'm in. Anyway, so then um, we kind of started putting together the team. But, I mean, the... Except, you know, it's, it's, what year was that? What year was that? Can you remember? Uh, that was twenty twenty. Right, it was twenty twenty. Actually, that was um, that was about four or five months, four months, five months after my dad died, and I had actually said to him that I was contemplating doing it, and we he was actually I I used to pick him up, so when he was when he was dying, um, I'd go around. He used to like looking out at sea, so I'd pick him up, um. And I pick him up in the car, and we'd go and sit out and look out to see it. When I say pick him up, I mean when he was super frail. I mean physically pick him up and put him in the car. Um, and I he was looking out, and, and he's looking out to see, and we were just having a chat, uh, you know, and that kind of that kind of end bit sort of thing. And I said, um, I said I'm thinking of rowing an ocean, and he just chuckled. He said, "That doesn't surprise me." Um, anyway, so, and I kind of treated that positively as sort of validation, really. But no, so we put the, the, uh, ultimately, it's a non stop rowing race. Once a year, you leave Lagomera in the Canary Islands and you row 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean and you arrive in Nelson's dockyard in Antigua. Um, and I, I say to people, it's the highest highs I've had and the lowest lows I've had. And so we were originally a team of, we put to, in the end, we put together a team of four. 
Um, we ended up dropping down to a team of three. Um, and um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, and as Woolley, one of the, the other teams, he, he kind of summed it up beautifully. He said, it's, it's simply brutal, but brutally simple. You just literally, you let go of Lagomera and you just row and you, you know, we, 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 we came up with a, 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 um, a shift pattern. So it, we would row two people, two people would be rowing during the daylight hours. So we'd, we'd do two hours on one hour off and we'd rotate every hour. Um, so two hours on one hour off daytime. And then at nighttime, we dropped down to one rower and we'd row for one hour and then we'd have two hours off. So, and we literally eat, sleep, row, repeat for what ended up being 49 days. Yeah, so we we um, we 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 made landfall on the, I think it was the thirtieth or the thirty first of January last year. Incredible. So he's actually coming up to the anniversary. I should I should, I, should admit, I knew it was last year. I don't know why. It's just yeah. the last year, so lots happened. But so you know, just to rephrase that, you know, forty nine days. And I asked you this question before, and you told because I always assume because because there's a number of other boats that do it with you, isn't it? It's the Talisker Whiskey Challenge. If anyone wants to, I think it's the Talisker Whiskey Challenge still. Yeah, it's not called that anymore. It's just now it's now been renamed the World's Toughest Row. Okay, the world's toughest rope, but uh, there you go. So have a search if you want to. But but I remember asking you this question because I, you know, I saw all these other boats and I was tracking you and sort of where you were in the ocean and all these other things. And there's this sort of conception that you know you're going to see lots of people and and of course if anything does happen there'll be a safety boat that comes along. But it's not like that, is it? Well, there's, there were there were forty one safety boats, but it, you're so far apart from people there. Oh, can... I mean, um, yeah. So they would they would say, you know, you are you're, I mean, you're on your own. Like, so there are so there were forty one boats taking part last year uh, in the race. Um, you know, there were some some professional rowers, and then there were some old gits like us sort of thing. Uh, and then there's two support yachts that basically meander across the fleet for like to be called upon for life or death reasons. But you know. When you say to somebody, oh, that's great to have somebody alongside, and it's like, no, they could be five days away from getting to us. So it, it really is the vastness, you know, and, and then when you, you know, you, you when I can't remember when it was, but, yeah, moved in, moving into early January, and we're halfway across the Atlantic Ocean, and it's 1,500 miles in that direction and 1,500 miles in that direction. Oh, and by the way, six and a half miles in that direction as well. So it's you know you want to you want a sense of you want a sense of being of being remote. It's 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 right up there. So it, and and you know obviously it's so many things on we're we'll quite talk forever about this sort of stuff. But that, you know what you see and obviously the repeating elements of not being on land and and the food. There's lots of questions people have around it. I'm sure. And by the way, if you have got questions, we might even do a live actually session. People are interested in where you can ask you live questions around this. But uh, just what was the the most breathtaking part of that, you know, when, you know, I'm guessing there are plenty of times where you row in the morning and you see the sun come up and you probably see, you know, what was the, what was the most, I wouldn't say breathtaking because you're knackered from rowing, but what was it? Was there a part in there when you were thinking, wow, I'm doing this and this is just, I've got oh, all the space around me. A, a lot, a lot. I think uh, there's, there's, and I, I, I think we didn't see that many boats. So we must have seen about 12, 15 boats and the whole thing or ships and the whole thing. Um, so there's lots and lots of isolation. Whilst you've got two teammates, you're still in, you're still in your own thoughts, and sometimes they're good thoughts, sometimes they're not so good thoughts. Um, the 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 appreciation that you're just a, you're just a grain of sand, um, you know. And 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 but I mean, 
you know, it's a 27-foot ocean rowing boat. There were times when there were sort of 30, 40, occasionally 50-foot swells. Um, it's you, you just you just nothing. Okay, so the the enormity of and the and the um, the nature ruggedness of the Atlantic Ocean is amazing. Um, dolphin, I mean, wildlife. We'd have all sorts of wildlife. So you know, giant sea turtles, whales at the end of the oars. Um, the obligatory sort of kamikaze fire fish every night. Uh, and then dolphins. I mean, dolphins are amazing. Everyone knows it. But you know, you could you could be having a really really rubbish day or a, you've had a rubbish night shift, and then you'd get visited by a pod of thirty or forty sort of cajoling dolphins at dawn. You know, the sun was coming up and the dolphins are flicking around us, and it's like, man, this is this is actually really really awesome. And um, so that whole um, simplicity. Um, is is it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You mentioned the lowest lows and the highest highs. Obviously, just talk through a bit about the lowest lows. What was the? Can you remember that lowest low point where you were? That point where you were feeling really, you know? Can you remember what it was? Was it missing family or was it just what what it was? I just there's there's it hurts. It hurts. I mean, I'm I'm a year on in and I've still got problems with one of my hands. So I mean, it it hurts. Your your backside. Um, is hurting your hands are hurting your back is hurting, and and it's it's when you you're doing a and and, and sometimes you know you you're on a you know, you you're if you're doing a one we're rowing one person at a time at night yeah you're you're there at night um, everything is hurting um, your hands are hurting your back every, everything is everything is hurting and then you've you've you know and 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 you look at your watch. And it's you've got twenty five minutes until you change shift, you know. And then you, you know, you just it's hurt. Everything's hurting. And then you look at your watch, and it's twenty two minutes until that change shift. It's like nothing's changed. You know, time stood still, sort of thing. And it's just that whole thing. But you know, the um, you just feel, just feel. And it's like, and then the other thing, I, 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 I've, so I've got, um, I've got, uh, uh, I have put, I've got uh, three stars tattooed on my shoulder. Which I, uh, which was, which was my wife and my son and my daughter, and I kind of that was my my thing, my psychological thing that they they're looking over my shoulder all the time, sort of thing. So that was my kind of reason for doing it. Then the other thing I realised as well. So one of the one of the things when you're really really low, but the the um, I would look up at the stars, and the star there's no light pollution, so the stars are just beautiful. And I didn't know it. I don't know anything about sort of star. Sh- I didn't know much about star forms and stuff like that. But Orion. Um, and then there's Orion's belt, which is three stars in a line. So I would sit there, and if I'm having a bad shift or a bad night or anything else like that, I would just make that mental connection between my three stars and those three stars, and I'd sit there talking to San Joseph and Molly while I'm rowing, and then that 22 minutes that needed to has gone, has gone, yeah. you know, and 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 and. And then, so that that generally is okay. And then, and then the one of the worst one of the worst things that can happen is if you know you've 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 done your hour shift or something like that, and you're just getting ready to go back into the cabin and have a bit of a have some rest, or you know you've got you've only got, you've only got a two hour window. You've got a two hour window before you're back on shift. You've got to get some food down in it, a quick drink. You've got to you know have a wee or whatever you need to do. So, but but then the one of the worst things that would happen is of your one hour shift you've been fine, and then you're just about to change shift, 
and you get a you get a um, a, a wave or a, 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 a you get hit you get a splash all the way over the side of the boat, and it's like I'm going to spend the next fifteen minutes getting dry and warm again. Um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. You know, you, you just look. You just find yourself shouting up at the moon. It's like, come on, this isn't fair. <laughs> but obviously, it's. Uh... But you know, obviously, we we got we we, we talk forever about this, and I'm sure I think we will do a live actually because I think it'll be a good thing we'll talk, especially in people to animate. But describe that feeling when you saw land as well for the first time in how you know fifty odd days in in, uh, in in Antigua when you could see it. Describe that feeling, and I know you talked about a story about the night before where where you'd we, you'd been you'd been literally you could have gone off course. I remember you telling me that you could have gone off course, but it was like you know it would have then taken you a few more days to get there. But describe that feeling of but I've been able to see land and then finally that moment when you finished. Uh, there's a great picture of you, like, you know, we'll put it up there, of you the, feeling that way. The, uh, they say to you, you should probably start seeing land about 45 miles out. And uh, and we did. We started seeing land about 25 miles out. And it was sort of lunchtime um, of the day of arrival. And it, whatever, it just... And six hours later, it still looks the same distance away. It was just like, oh, you know, we're talking about what we... And that was the other thing. We had this massive monsoon shower. So the last afternoon before we arrived in Antigua, we all, you know, we were all talking about, we make sure we're clean and we don't smell too horrible for when everyone, when we meet everyone. So we literally just got the bar of soap out and we were stand, you know, taking turns with bar of soap, just having a clean in this, in this massive monsoon shower that just flattened the sea. And then it all cleared and, and we got closer and closer and, you know, you get excited, but it, we found it really, really tough. It got, the water just ended up like treacle. We were hardly getting anywhere. We had wind on a shoulder as it was, it was pretty tough. And then you eventually, you eventually come around the headland, Shirley Heights, which is a headlands there. And, and, and you see the whole thing, you see Nelson's dockyard open up uh, and it's dark and there's a lot. I thought stupidly, I was looking at it, all these, all these really tall lights. I was thinking, blind, there's some construction going on here, isn't there? And it was just the lights on the top of the yacht masts from the marina. But uh, you come round the corner, and there's there's um, there's two boats that greet you. Everyone thinks it's just there's well, you know the, the video, the media boat. But there's two boats. There's there's the media boat that comes along. There's, there's this little tiny rib that comes alongside, and the guys take your passports from you. <laughs> what that? Yeah, and they you know they know what hotels you're staying at, and they bring them back later and stuff like that. But and then it, and then the media boats, you know, they're doing donuts and the, and and then it's they're, they're, you've basically got a port and starboard buoy that you and you row in between the port and starboard buoy. And there's a fort up on the left hand side, and we were so fort. I mean, we came in at night, so you got the flares and all the not all, everything else like that. But we were fortunately got in at about half eleven, eleven half eleven, and some of the pubs and bars and restaurants were all kicking out. So we had a we had a really really decent crowd. And uh, and then it's and then the, the media boats, the you know, it's like under you know, hundred meters to go, fifty meters to go, and they're kind of urging, you know, ushering us up towards these these um, these two boys. And then you go over the boy, and I, I don't want it to feel like to win a, I don't want it to feel like to win a, an event at the Olympics or something like that. But you go over the line, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden the race with these flares are going off. Uh, there's a, I've had a, there's a banging and hooters and all this sort of stuff going on. There's just lights and everything else like that. It was just it was absolutely amazing. Uh, and then yeah, then we we kind of got our we have our trophy shot of the flares on the deck and all this sort of stuff. And um, and then a very very slow row up to the 
up to the pontoon and to obviously meet friends and family and all that sort of stuff. And I was just kind of wobbling, wobbling around on the on the quayside. Uh, I was actually wobbling for about two days, pretty much. Um, That's good. That, that first time to put foot on land for after, you know, was it 59 days, wasn't it? 49, 49 days. 49, 49 days. The first, the first time. How did that feel? And, and, and also, I was going to ask you then, without getting you again emotional, how did it feel to see Sam and Molly and, and, and Joseph there at that point as well? It was just that, um, I think it's, if it's just that, and it, I think it doesn't matter whether it's the row, whether it's life, whether it's business, whether it's sales, is that you put three years, put three years into this, and then it's um, there's that, and 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 I hope you listeners won't mind me swearing, but it's that going over the line, or, or, or and meeting the families, and then it's like we fucking did that, yeah, absolutely did that. Um, yeah. and, and then there's that, there's just that, you know, and then, and then, yeah, just trying to, yeah, just. Did you, get, you actually, did you, did you actually, because obviously you've not, you stood up, but did you wobble a bit when you were on land? Oh, massively. Yeah. Yeah. Wobbling around and, and holding, people were holding, you know, not completely holding me up, but stopping you from swaying. I actually thought, I actually thought when I first stood up on the, on the side of the pontoon, I thought it was a floating pontoon that was moving, but it was a concrete, you know, it's a concrete quayside. And I'm still sort of moving around a little bit, really. And, and tell people how much weight, because you, you know, because there's lots of questions people ask. If you have got questions, by the way, if you're in the podcast, put it in the comment section and we'll, we'll answer them or we'll do, we'll do a live with Matt. But um, you, you, you know, people ask questions around, you know, what did you, know, you lost weight and what did you look? I remember looking at you had this big beard, didn't you? And, you know, you must have, although your hair didn't grow, did it, to be fair? Oh, I had, a stupid, I had a stupid tuft on the top of my head. You know, it was just, yeah, a bit like that. But, um, you know, I'm not allowed to have a beard like that again. Uh, I had the best suntan I'd ever, I'd probably ever than I have. Um, but um, sorry, what was that? What, um, I was going to say, what, how much weight did you lose over the course I, of the? Yeah, I, you I, eat, but you're not eating. You know, obviously, the, you know, forty nine days on sea, you're not exactly. You can't put, pack most things under that. So, so you lost quite a lot of weight from doing I the lost, activity. I, I lost fifteen percent of my body weight. Wow. wow. So, um, you know, you, you're supposed to have six thousand. It's all worked out. I mean, like the 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 organisers of Atlantic campaigns. It's absolutely brilliant. They are so fantastic at planning this stuff. So I, I, I had to eat, eat, you had to eat 60 calories of food per kilogram of body weight. So I was just under 100 kilos when I left. So that's nearly 6,000 calories a day. I just couldn't eat that amount of food. Um, so I would probably have three, three of the ration packs. You know, they're up to 1,000 pa- calorie ration packs. And then we'd also have um, our snack packs, which are, you know, sweets, chocolate bars, Nuts, uh, protein shakes, those sorts of things. It's all it's quite calorie dense, uh, and some of it's just easy to get down. But the other thing that's really really strange is that and we treated us. So we also had um, we had a couple of cases of we took a couple of cases of coke. So our Saturday our Saturday evening meal, um, whatever we had for, to Sunday week on a Saturday evening, um, we'd we'd have a can of fizzy pop. That was it. But it was kind of it, that was the other thing. It was lukewarm. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that great. Not quite, not quite the same. But yeah, see, the other good—I mean, the good thing about it is, from a diet, you, you're not eating all the crap. You know, yeah, we haven't. We, well, you know, we, we, we could come off this call in whenever, 15, 20 minutes. I go to the kitchen and nibble on a biscuit or, or whatever. You've got none of that. It's just like go, go. You know, it's just you know, and it's um. So you're just you're just eating the. But the other thing that happens as well is your taste buds change as well. Okay. So, 
some of the things that you kind of, you know, I mean, one of the rash, some of the rash, some of the rash impacts are absolutely revolting, absolutely revolting. Um, but I remember, I remember one of them, and I put it off for quite some time. It was fish with potato and parsley sauce, right? And we'd we'd get these thermos bowls, and you know, whoever's doing the food, they tip the tip the three three freeze dried thermos bowls, uh, put the water in it, give it a stir, leave it for ten minutes, and you open it up and you go, oh, that doesn't look too great. Sometimes it's a little bit thick, so you need a little bit more water, and it's just anyway. There's one one one, and it was like, and then somebody said to me, and about halfway through. You kind of got used to the things that you want, and it's like, what, what's for lunch? Or what's for, and it's like, oh, it's fish with fish with potato and parsley sauce, and it's like that sounds absolutely horrendous. And if, for some really, really weird reason, I actually started becoming quite partial to fish. So <laughs> now you are some for it, but didn't make- no, no, absolutely not. The thought of it, the thought of it is revolting. Um, but but sometimes, but that one wasn't too bad. But some of the other ones, some of the other ones, just really bad and. And you'd you'd um you'd you'd eat it and it'd just be like uh you know like paste wallpaper yeah. which like and then but there's but you, it's just pure you get to the stage it's just pure so when it came like that this sounds really really revol- revolting and I apologise but you'd literally just give it an extra squirt of water like a lot of water just give it a stir and just. Just get it down, and it's almost like hold your nose, get it down, and and just just go again because you've you've got to get back on yours. That's the thing. Look, we've got we've got five ten minutes left, and we're going to talk through something at the end before, which we've just you know we're kicking off, which is exciting. But uh, just one of the things around the sort of two things, two questions really. A, what were the two things that the row in the Atlantic major things you took from it, or that it taught you, or that you you gained from that from doing that experience, and B. If anyone's thinking here, well, I'd like to do this. Where should they start to look? Because as you know, I'm one of those people that have been asking those questions to you, and we are. But, but if you know, but what, what were the two? You know, what is there one or two or maybe three things that that whole experience just taught you that are, are great things for people listening to this relating to their business or to life or or in general. Uh, two things. I, the first thing I would say is, um, I mean, you've got to you've got to pick your team. We had a good team. Um, I, I, one of the things I always say is I'm, I'm, I would always try and give more than I take. So if I'm in a team, you can, I'll, I'll give you more than I take. So in terms of that energy. And the other thing that happened as well was when we left, we were on the quayside in Agamera and there was a boat, a rowing boat next to us. And there's a lady in that, in that uh, boat, Gemma. She'd rowed the ocean before. And, um, and there's just a little bit of chat before, um, before we all let go. You get let go of the boats, they go every two or five minutes or something like that, and there's a big cheer of all this. And there was a bit of chat about something, and then somebody said, all you need to do is eat, sleep, and row, repeat. That's all you need to do. And she made, she, 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 she said, and to be kind, because there are times when you're going to be so low that you need somebody, you need to be kind to other people so that they're kind back to you when you need it. And that's one of the things that I took. I took from how I took from it. Well, so, and I think you know, there's there's an awful lot of um, there's a, I, I, I'm yeah, we share a lot more. I'm, I've always been kind of vulnerable. I could never play poker and stuff like that. I'm always happy to be open about stuff like that. But I think you know, you you never know what someone's going through. You actually, until you've walked a mile in their shoes, you do not want to know what somebody's going through in their head and stuff like that. So um, yeah, eat, sleep, row, repeat, be kind. 
Love that. Love that. Great way to, to, to sort of summarize that. And as I say, if people do want to have a look at it, they can. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The world, it's, it's the world's toughest row.com. The world's toughest row. And it takes, because I, I said this to you, it takes two, two years to plan to go, doesn't it? So if you're thinking of doing it for, for next year, you better start now. It's pretty much, if, way, if someone's going, oh, I want to do this, you know, 2025. They're pretty much at the end of this year. It's too late now, isn't it? I think. I think actually. I think looking at it. I think. Um, I think they're fully. It's fully booked until twenty seven. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Goodness yeah, me. Yeah. Well, there you go. So it takes. It, good. But it does. Uh, that sounds like oh, that's too far out. But uh, you know, it's like we we were nearly three years in the planning, and there were still things that we didn't know when we left. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta be, as I say to people, and I, I kind of look them in the eye if it's about sales or if it's about business. It's like, are you in, or are you all in? And for me, it's like, you know, I want somebody that's all in, you know, all in exactly. Well, we're t- and funny, you know, lead and finish off because look, there's look, so many great stories around, it, and thank you for for being so open and sharing it with you. But we, you know, we've been you know good friends for a while, and and. We've been talking about some some other stuff, exciting and plans to go forward, and and I guess maybe it's a good chance to, to talk about it now, actually, isn't it? Because we came, we were talking about some number of things and a few things we wanted to do, and, and I came to you with sort of a couple of ideas of a business option in um, the end of last year, and we've now kicked off, haven't we? Which we're now, you by the time you listen to this, we've probably launched um, a new business. So go on, you, Jarek, since we're we're in business, you know, doing this, so, so talk a little bit about it. Super exciting. Uh, so. Um... Yeah, I think we've both been frustrated at times trying to recruit um, good quality, hungry talent uh, at clients that we work with. Um, and, um, you know, we've got connections in South Africa. So, yeah, so we set up a business growth resourcing, um, ability to to source for UK companies some really, really uh, energetic, hungry um, young talent uh, not always young, some experienced talent um, for UK businesses. And and I think the other thing as well um, is being able to uh, not only employ people and show them a pathway, but also um, being able to support and mentor those people along the journey, even if they don't end up working for us long term, you know, the feeling that perhaps we can we can kind of uh, help those help some people along the way in their careers uh, and their life uh, as well. So yeah, good business. I think it's you know we're gonna it's gonna be a business bit of fun in for us in the UK uh, and providing some really really quality you know good quality resource that we're gonna coach and mentor for those UK clients, but also that ability to um, to you know even even if people are unsuccessful with us, we've we've made a commitment to to give them training courses and other bits and pieces. Hopefully, so that we can signpost them to um, to improving what they want to do moving forward as well. Exactly, and now you know we're super excited to be part of it alongside uh, another guy, Nick, you know, and the team in South Africa. And like you say, it's about trying to make sure we ha- you know support hungry, ambitious you know, people to to achieve their goals. And um, yeah, we we believe it's going to be very exciting. So if you've got sales or marketing. Um, people that you need in your team, then, then, then I guess to reach out to us, there's a website um, set up for it, which will be live um, by the time this goes live. So um, where where can people find out about it, Matt? Uh, Growthresourcing.co.uk. There you go. So come and have a look at Matt and me, and uh, uh, come and have a look. I should say at what we were offering. Have a conversation with us if you are in a position where you're thinking, I'd love to add some people to my team, but. Uh, I, I don't need them to be based where I'm based, but I want great, hungry, dynamic people that are going to really 
take my brand and my company to another level and really represent my company well, then that's the sort of people that we're going to bring on board. And um, the good thing is the contracts here, you don't need to have long-term commitment for it. We're going to give you people the chance that, you know, we're going to prove our value to you. So it's going to be an exciting path for us to help. And, and as Matt said, um, changing, you know, helping a number of you know, people in, in South Africa achieve the goals they want to be. forget, you know, there's, there's some really hungry people out there that want to do the best and, uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, isn't it? So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, but it's going to be fun, I think, as well. Yeah, exactly. So look, we've we've talked the end of the podcast, and thank you so much for giving out your time, mate. Where can people connect with you? Obviously, you're on LinkedIn, I know, and you've got your website. If people want to, you know, hear more about your story and 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 get to, you know, I know you speak at a lot of events and you do a lot of presentations and and speaking. But where can people connect with you if they've if they've been inspired by your story today, yeah. as, as I know I am? So LinkedIn, uh, Matt Garman, uh, and also or mattgarman.com website. Quite simple. Fantastic. Look, well, thank you so much, mate, for being uh, on the on on the episode of the podcast. It's great. I hope it's um, it's given people some really inspiration that you know if you've if you've been on if you've been in tough times in life, if you, people say they you know they're not as in, people think, oh, I'm not intelligent, whatever else, doesn't matter. You can achieve incredible things like Matt has. You know, whether it's selling, building, and selling businesses, or whether it's you know rowing the row, swimming the channel. You mentioned swimming the channel, but swimming the channel, rowing the Atlantic. You know, or then creating new businesses with new people uh, at points in time. You know, life's there for, for taking. And as Matt said, be kind and just focus on what you want to achieve and and be all in. And if you're all into what you want to achieve, then you're going to get great success. So. Thanks so much, mate, for, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Okay, so that was it. That was uh, Matt Garman and on the, uh, on the podcast for uh, Diary of a Sales Expert. Get my words out. Um, hope you've enjoyed. If you have, then uh, please like and subscribe to the channel. If you can rate the channel as well, it would also really help us because uh, it will help other people uh, get stories and hear stories from people like Matt to, to be inspired by. But that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening and speak to you soon. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.